Our gospel lesson this morning is from the Gospel of Mark in the first chapter, verses one, uh, in the first chapter, verses twenty-nine to thirty-nine. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And Jesus cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And it was there that he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And he answered, Let's go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that's what I came out to do. And he went through Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, open our ears that we may hear your truth. Open our eyes that we may see your kingdom. And open our hearts and minds that we might know the cries of our brothers and sisters who are hungry and hurting and sometimes even dying without the knowledge of your love for them. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I want to open this morning with a question. What exactly do you think is meant in our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah this morning in verses 40 or in verse in chapter 40, verse 31? But those who wait for the Lord. What do you think? How can we wait for the Lord? Or maybe better yet, aren't we always waiting for the Lord? It's our condition of life, really. Everything we do involves waiting for the Lord. We pray, and then we wait. We work, and then we wait. We get on with our lives, yet all the while we're waiting to see what will happen. We're waiting to see what the Lord will do. We can't force God's action on anything. We can't ensure that God will respond to our requests in any way that's visible to us. So waiting on the Lord is what it means to live in the world, right? We're always waiting. Let's take another look at these verses from Isaiah. Maybe we're in the wrong mode of waiting. Isaiah doesn't seem to be asking us to wait for God to act. Instead, there seems to be a call for us to recognize who God is. He asks, have you not known? Have you not heard? Isaiah is asking us to go back to our fundamental understanding of the nature of God, the presence of God, the reality of God. He goes back to the beginning. He looks at the ground beneath our feet. And God is a part of all of it. God is the source of all of it. 
He is the source of each of you. Isaiah is not waiting for Godot, like the characters in Samuel Beckett's somewhat nihilistic play. We aren't invited to become Vladimir and Estragon, waiting in vain for the mysterious Godot to arrive and give meaning to their shabby existence. Now in the play, of course, if you're familiar with it, Godot never comes and proves that waiting is useless and that we shouldn't give up and rely on our own resources rather than waiting for something from the outside to come and rescue us. Many of those outside the faith issue a similar indictment against the people of God, saying that we're waiting for something that will never come. But Isaiah isn't using wait in this way. Rather, the prophet is asking us to pay attention to what already is. We are asked to know that God is among us, around us, within us already. Waiting on the Lord in this case means trusting, relying on, and being confident in the the Lord. We lean into the reality that says God is equipping us as we learn and grow as disciples, as we become those who have heard and those who know. We see God at work all around us through the encounters and the relationships of the people of God. We wait on God as we wait on those in need around us. Remember, Jesus told us that as we serve, as we feed, as we tend, as we visit, as we invite others, we are serving him. He's among us. And we're waiting on, we're serving him. There's a power in that service. You've seen it. You've experienced it or maybe heard about it in testimonies or mission reports about how the strength to go beyond ability and endurance came about because of the desire to serve, to be in mission together in the community. You've heard or felt that mounting up with wings like eagles from those who report that they received more than they gave, that they were blessed more than they blessed others. And that's the strength that comes from waiting on the Lord, being aware of the Lord's presence as one works and gives and loves. There's always more. There's always an abundance of resources when the beginning or when the people of God decide to pool together to partner with God in building the kingdom. Simon's mother-in-law is a perfect example of this from our gospel lesson this morning. We find that she's sick with fever, but at the touch of Jesus's hand, she gets up and begins to serve. Did you notice that? She didn't get up and, and salute her good health. She didn't get up and celebrate her good fortune or her personal blessing or the lucky happenstance. No, the only response that made sense to her in the moment was to serve others. She literally began to wait on the Lord after rising from her sickbed. What a witness. How many others saw her example? crowd that gathered, 
the sick and possessed, the whole city perhaps. Mark says that they were gathered around the door waiting on the Lord and he cured many, Mark says. Many, but perhaps not all. There's nothing, however, to indicate that some were worthy and some were not. And we shouldn't speculate too much on why all were not healed. And maybe Mark really meant to say all, but even he had trouble believing it. Was it all? Was it the whole city? Surely not. But either way, Jesus used the power that he had and then he needed to recharge. Mark says Jesus got up, which means at some point he went down. Maybe he fell down exhausted. Mark's Jesus strains to do mighty works. He groans. This took something out of him. Maybe he staggered into the recently vacated bed of Simon's mother-in-law and fell asleep as he would on that boat crossing the Sea of Galilee in a storm. But he got up while it was still dark. Was that so that he could slip away without being asked for more than he had to give at that moment? Did he carefully step around the whole city that was sleeping on the ground outside the house, waiting for him to regain his strength enough to start again? Or had they all gone away, satisfied or not, that their waiting was worth it? Well, it didn't matter in a way because Jesus had a singular focus in the moment, and that focus was time with God. Jesus knew what it was to wait on the Lord. He knew the effort it required and the focus that it needed. He knew that the only way to walk and not faint, to run and not be weary, is to continually take time to be with God, to set aside everything else, to fully be present with the source of his strength and direction. He knew that his wings would come only when he would wait on the Lord. And what happened when the disciples showed up? They said, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Well, that must have meant that there were more people there back at the house, wanting Jesus, needing him. But Jesus says, I'm moving on. Is that harsh? Well, I'll bet the ones who were back at the house thought so. But notice that the focus on mission that Jesus expresses to his disciples, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. That's what I came to do. The healing is extra. It's a sign or a pointer to the essence of the message that Jesus came to deliver. The message was what he said, but also what and who he was. And Jesus needed to be moving on so that more would hear and know and be able to find their place in God's kingdom, which was breaking out around them. Now, we might argue that since he had already spoken to those around Simon's mother-in-law's house, that they had what they needed. They could work to resolve the outstanding issues of the human community together. Just like we, while we are waiting on the Lord, are also called to be part of the healing of the community and becoming 
the people of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. However, it's not our responsibility to make excuses for what might seem like questionable behavior on Jesus' part. It is what it is. A part of waiting on the Lord means not getting caught up in what we can't understand or explain. Instead, we trust that He did what He was called to do, just as we must do what we are called to do. These are wings that we fly with as the people of God we are becoming. The wings of call, the wings of service, the wings of love that brings us into the kingdom we seek to embrace and promote. So let's walk and not be weary. Let's run and not faint as we seek to represent the God upon whom we wait. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to visit our website at mcfarlandumc.org to learn more about our church and the ministries that we provide to the Rossville and East Lake communities around Chattanooga. May God's blessings be yours.